Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard from Australian Brews News. Today on Beer is a Conversation, Pete and I chat with Chris McNamara, the Executive Officer at the Independent Brewers Association. In our chat, we get the IBA's thoughts on the upcoming container deposit scheme and the effect that is going to have on Australia's small brewers, and also learn what the association is doing to try and mitigate those changes. We also chat briefly about the IBA's upcoming strategic review and the membership changes in the wake of the recent independent brewery takeovers. Enjoy the conversation. And on Radio Brews News, Beer is a Conversation episode this week, we welcome from the Independent Brewers Association, the Executive Officer, Chris McNamara. Chris, welcome, Chief. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Chris. Sorry, Matt, I couldn't help just throw the Chief in. I, I, I honestly believe that um, the work that you guys do, that there should be at least somebody in there that has a Chief in front of their, uh, in the, in front of their title. So perhaps we can look at that for the... Uh, the next time we update the constitution. Well, the AGM's coming up on Friday, Pete, so if you want to get a, get something into the board before then, I'm happy to discuss it. Nice plug. Um, we'll see if we can get this episode up before that uh, AGM takes place. Chris, uh, we're ostensibly going to get you on today to clarify a few issues and I guess put the Independent Brewers Association's uh, standpoint on the container deposit schemes that are about to launch in uh, in a couple of states and that already exist in uh, one state and one territory. But um, perhaps before we get right into the meat of that, um, would you like to give us a little bit of an update about where the uh, IBA is at? Uh, exciting times. We've just commissioned a review of where we are um, five years in and the, the board decided that it was time to uh, take a step back. So we've uh, commissioned um, an accounting firm in Newcastle to do uh, sort of a root and branch, is that the term, sort of look at what we do. Um, uh, it's always good to have a, a fresh set of eyes come in, sort of, uh, and you know, a lot of what we've done is we've just created stuff on the go. Um, as you know, we started five years ago with myself working uh, casually for a couple of days a week, and now we've grown to um, having three staff and you know, turning over or well, approaching a million dollars in probably the next year or two. And um, it was just time to uh, take that moment to step back and, and have a look at what we do, how we run the business. And um, so we're expecting the first sort of recommendations from that this week um, and then up to the board to decide where we, where we go from there. So uh, exciting times. Chris, I was actually a little uh, surprised when uh, I heard that you were doing a review that that wasn't conducted hand-in-hand with the change from the Craft Beer Industry Association to the Independent Brewing Association. Uh, what was any thought about the future direction given given that that was a fairly significant change at the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think because it was such a big change, um, and that was a, a, a lot of that was a political discussion around where our future is going. This is a bit more around the business side of things, if that makes sense. We're probably, you know, um, this isn't so much around the direction of of, um, who we're here to help scenario. Uh, It's more around, you know, how do we run the conference? Um, How do we provide member services? That sort of stuff. 
So it's a more, um, I guess, Chris, dotting I's and crossing T's in terms of the method in which the IBA is run rather than uh, here's the direction that you, you know, uh, I guess in a more ideological terms uh, need to be looking at. Yeah, the purpose will remain the same. We're there for you know, advocate and educate, uh, sorry, advocate influence for the benefit of Australian independent brewers. Uh, it's just how we go about running the business itself and how we go about providing those services, making sure that we're taking uh, every opportunity for, for making money for the business because the, the better job we do of, of looking after our income, the more services we can provide to the industry, quite simply. I'd like more staff so we can do more things. Mate, let's see how we can go with that. Maybe we can get a you know a GoFundMe page set up or something, or a possible campaign. <laughs> Great, I love those things. E- equity for um, drunks. Yeah, equity. Yeah, no, careful. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, no, I'm a huge fan of paying two hundred dollars for a six pack every four months, Pete. That's the <laughs> love that love that concept. Let's leave. We might just park that just for now. Uh, so, Chris, um, I've got one to throw at you uh, once we finish off, but let's get into, I guess, the meat of our discussion, which is the container deposit scheme. It certainly seems to have garnered a fair bit of uh, criticism before it's even begun. And at the risk of uh, sounding like a broken record, but it, it seems another example of um, on the outside, uh, on the outside looking in, it, it, it appears to be one of those examples of government using a useless, you know, something that's not going to work, that's going to cost a lot of money to fix a problem that possibly doesn't even exist? Yeah, uh, it's hard to, hard to see, Pete. Um, you know, obviously, the South Australian scheme's been in place for a very long time, 30-odd uh, years, and it predates uh, curbside recycling, so that's, a, that's an important thing to note. Uh, the NT uh, scheme came in, I think it was about five or six years ago, uh, and there's been discussions about a national uh, scheme that happened uh, about four or five years ago. And basically, Victoria, I believe at the time, said, no, we, we'd never look at it. And that pretty much scuppered the idea of there being a national scheme. So uh, the individual states have started to look at it. Um, New South Wales scheme starts in 23 days. Not that you'd know it if you lived in New South Wales, because not a word's been said about it. Um, the Queensland scheme starts 1st of July next year and the West Australian scheme is slated to start sometime in January 2019, although we keep saying to them that January is a stupid time to put up the price of beer or any any sort of beverage, um, but obviously that hasn't stopped uh, New South Wales doing it it's, you know, four weeks out from Christmas. Um, the idea of all these schemes, I think uh, what I might have mentioned last week as well, is that they're talking about it as only a reduction scheme rather than increasing recycling. So they, um, yeah, essentially the idea is that people will more likely pick up their uh, can or, or bottle and, and take it to a um, reverse vending machine or take it home and, and save it up and get their money back later. Um, you know, we've got a few fundamental things uh, that we have issues with and one of them is the exclusion for for wine and, and spirits, and uh, our argument around that is if you can say that those beverages are consumed in the home and aren't found in the litter stream, can you please show us where you're finding independent brewers, you know, reproduce a premium product that uh, more likely than not is uh, consumed in the home or in a 
in a uh, in a venue and isn't ending up in the list stream. We're we're yet to get an answer from any of the states about why they uh, why this should be the case. Um, I think you know, most people out there can want to support you know having less litter out there. Um, whether this scheme is the way to do it, uh, we also argue that yeah. If this is great, then well, then let's look at other ways of reducing McDonald's wrappers or KFC packets or whatever else you see out there in the litter stream. So um, it's it's not it's and as I said, it's never been introduced into a into a state where there has been a um, established curbside recycling. So um, we're yet to find out how that will work. It really does sound like it's another example where beer is seen as a different class of product to, you know, perhaps wine. Is it a case of that, or is it like is there a perception around beer that beer is a, a problematic drink that needs, um, you know, government intervention to uh, tackle? I don't know. I think I think it comes down to Matt, the the container size that it's traditionally drunk out of. Um, the fact that you know generally there's there's three stubbies for you know the equivalent of one bottle of wine, um, and whether that poses the problem that you know that's three times more likely that you know if somebody is drinking in a park that you'll see you know if they are littering you'll see three three stubbies and you know if somebody's drinking a bottle of wine you see one bottle of wine, um, so I think it comes down to that container size is, is one of the main things. Um, as I said, our argument is around independent brewers and you know, with our premium product are getting lumped in with you know, more sort of mass-consumed 30 packs of uh, newy, new, uh, Tui's new cans. I think that's the sort of issue that we've had. Yeah, I see in the uh, press this week that the... Uh, exclusions uh, or the exceptions um, are the milk, fruit and vegetable juice containers, um, as well as yeah, wine and spirits, large wine and water casks, cordial containers and registered, oh, I don't know what a registered health tonic is. Um, uh, you cooled. Oh, got it. Okay. Got it. So it seems to me that the, and I don't know what the, I, what what a brewer's position is, but first of all, maybe can you tell us what sort of um, immediate impact will this have on a brewery who produces their own beer in terms of uh, their labelling, their responsibility to the scheme, and and then the the cost? Do we know? Yeah. Well, sort of. So <laughs> as far as labelling. Um, and another thing we keep harping on about is that they haven't been able to tell us what the label will be, what the what the logo symbol will be. They've assured us that they will work with jurisdictions, that all jurisdictions will work together and they'll come up with a single logo, which will then um, do away with that. You would have seen that, you know, 10 cents refundable in South Australia and Northern Territory that you see on, on yeah. containers at the moment. So there will be uh, a single logo that will be across uh, all of the jurisdictions that have a container deposit scheme. Uh, New South Wales have said there'll be a 24-month period for, for uh, producers to have that on their on their label. So it's not uh, a horribly urgent thing. We expect that most people will have have, a, have another run of labels or change their labels along those lines in the next uh, 24 months. It is a bit worrying that it's a bit more label real estate taken up. Bubbling away in the background, there's discussions around 
putting calorie counts and that sort of stuff on labels as well. That's uh, being discussed between health ministers at, at uh, state and federal level. Hopefully that doesn't come in, but that would be, you know, take up a bit more space. So that's, that's one of those concerns. Um, as far as the way the scheme works, uh, there's two main things for a beverage supplier. They need to have a uh, get all of their labels signed off by the EPA. So we've had discussions with them saying, can we just have it for, you know, sign off on a 330 mil bottle, etc. But they've said, no, we want to sign off on every label. So that's an $80 charge, uh, sign off by the EPA. And then there is, uh, they need to have a relationship with the scheme coordinator, which in New South Wales case is Exchange for Change, which is a JV between Coke, Asahi, CUB, Coopers and Lime. Uh, the idea is then that they provide sales data to that JV uh, and then the, they are issued with a, an invoice for the first three months because there's no established data on how the scheme will work. They have made assumptions. So for the first month, uh, they're saying there'll be 100% return, second month, 90%, third month, 80%. So based on that sales data on the 1st of November, the uh, beverage producers have been given a invoice uh, and that invoice also depends on whether they've got a can or whether they have a uh, bottle. So for cans, the, it was 13.54 cents per vessel and for glass, 14.07 cents per vessel. What's going to happen is that after that first three months, there'll be a true up. So. <laughs> Uh, if the scheme doesn't run at 100%, if it only runs at 80%, then uh, the suppliers will have that uh, cost put against their next invoice and get a bit of a refund. So, yes, it's all a little bit complicated. It certainly does sound it. And is that those numbers you just quoted, were they, are they the updated and correct figures? Because I, I do believe that there's possibly uh, invoices that were sent out that had the decimal point in the wrong spot and had to be reissued. I hadn't heard that story, Pete. That would have been most distressing if it was to the to the right hand side, and not to the left. <laughs> exactly, and and certainly wouldn't wouldn't give um, I guess consumers and producers um, a lot of faith in the system. If um, as yeah. you say, we're we're four weeks out, we don't have a logo yet. We um, we're not particularly clear on where the collection points are. And we should also point out for um, for those punters who are, who are listening uh, as, as consumers rather than producers, uh, it's not like the old days of uh, when the, I guess the three of us were riding around the neighbourhood on Treadleys and you'd, uh, you know, you could collect, collect aluminium cans and when you got enough, you could, you'd take it to a place and you would get cold, hard coinage in return. Um, I do believe that, I think the New South Wales one particularly, You'll get like a, a voucher for a discount on something, or uh, or that sort of thing from the what is it? A reverse vending machine, I think they call it, something like reverse that. Reverse vending machine, I, I believe. And again, you know, we haven't been told how this is going to work. And as I said, the scheme comes in, in in 23 days. The price of beer has already gone up uh, from most suppliers because uh, the scheme needs to have the pump primed, as they say. So there needs to be money sitting in the coffers for when the scheme does start. So as I said those invoices went out 1st of November, seven-day payment period, which is very convenient. Um, so most suppliers have had to put up the price of the beer already, but the general public hasn't been told anything about this. Uh, there's been no 
reason given why, and I asked again, asked the EPA yesterday a number of questions they replied to all of them except for the bit where I said, when are you going to start telling the general public? Um, the generally accepted reason is that they are worried that the public are going to start stockpiling bottles and cans. And um, that, Isn't that the uh, object? On, <laughs> yeah, but not until the scheme starts, Matt. So your price of beer has gone up, but you can't uh, can't get your ten cents back. Sorry, not that you get ten cents back. Not that yeah. You know, well, yeah, you, you'll get your ten cents back, but you won't get the the other three point five four cents that you've paid or more. Um, now, Pete, I've lost track because I went off on a on a tangent there about it. About what your question that was, was. A, no, it was a nice tangent. No, it was the um. Is it cash or is it a voucher? Yeah, it's cash. Yeah. yeah. So. So it is, what, okay. we know so, what we know so far is that it um, could be a possibility that you have a an account set up, uh, and so you maybe a PIN or something similar or a card maybe that you swipe, uh, and it might go to your account. Uh, there's been some talk that you may be able to donate it to a local charity, so your local school or scouts or something like that, by pressing a button saying, I'd like to donate this. 50 cents to such and such, or it may come out as a voucher. Um, and it, given that the, and those vouchers will then be redeemed. I think they've signed either Coles or Woolies and Aldi, and then you can walk into the, the local Aldi and get your, get your either a 50 cents off your bill or they'll give you the cash. I'll probably make you pack it yourself. Um, and the idea that most of these reverse vending machines that are apparently going to be about the size of a container uh, will be parked in uh, supermarket car parks. As in a shipping container? Yeah, size of a shipping okay. container apparently. Okay, well, I see. I'm quoting from the article now. Consumers will be able to take their empty bottles and cans to more than 500 collection points across the state and more than 800 reverse vending machines located in high foot traffic areas like beaches and sports stadiums. Here's a tip. How about instead of those, put a bin where you would put the 800 <laughs> vending machines and you might actually solve the problem. The problem is we can't get people to walk. Like a lot of the junk I find around in, in parks and that sort of thing are within throwing distance of a bin. These are people who won't return shopping trolleys, Prof. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I just can't help thinking that we're, we're we're punishing the people who are already doing the right thing. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not, you know, if I put my – God, for God's sake, geez, if I put my bin out now, uh, my recycling bin on the every second – Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to have kids going through mine going, we have hit them up a lot. I was thinking the same thing too, Prof. I mean, it's going to be like curbside collection every second Wednesday. Exactly. It's just going to be an emu bob for uh, for 10 cents a bottle. One of the discussions when I was speaking to the West Australian guys about it is they were saying that one of the outcomes in South Australia is that the streets are cleaned up by people going around collecting the bottles. Uh, that's one of the things that they factor into the effectiveness of the scheme is people actively going around and trying to make a few bucks by cleaning up their neighbourhood. Well, it's certainly it, it's it's going to solve the homeless crisis then, Chris. Yes, probably it's going to take people off the streets. For all the effort it's going to be worth, it might be better off to just collect all the bottles and, and uh, like the guy somewhere in, in Holland built a, like a, ha- a glass house out of uh, empty Heineken bottles. Perhaps they could just, you know, we could solve the, the homeless <laughs> crisis by actually, you know, making like igloos. Although I'd be a little bit concerned if, if, if I was that guy, he doesn't have to worry about squatters, he's going to have to some, worry about somebody stealing his house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
So, uh, but Chris, actually, just want backpedal um, a, a bit. You, you, you mentioned that they have to have a relationship with the consortium that manages the collection. Yes. Um, and you said that that was essentially the major brewers. Yep, and the major soft drink manufacturers. And so the small independent brewers have to provide total sales data of, of bottled product, I presume, not uh, draft? Uh, yep, that's right. Uh, the discussions we've had is that, uh, you know, of course that was one of our major issues. We've been assured that the, the JV is at arm's length from the, uh, the individual members. Uh, one of the things in favour of that that makes me believe that is that whilst I'm sure CB would love to know, you know, stone and wood sales figures, I'm sure they'd like to know Lions sales figures even more. So I'm sure they're putting in, in um, suitable uh, blinds between between the two. Um, my belief also is that they aren't so concerned about SKUs as containers. So they would they're going to be more interested in knowing how many 330 mil brown containers, um, brown bottles you've sold into the state rather than you know, breaking that down to SKUs. Okay. Either way, it's going to be on a, a small business. Um, it's going to be a fair impost in terms of, because it sounds like there's, a, there's going to be a couple of layers of, of administration for a small brewer, if if nothing else. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, people are going to do um, whole new systems to capture particular information uh, rather than, you know, what they've traditionally captured for their own sales records or for, you know, ATO or whatever. So you know, for, for people that don't have those good systems in place, it could be problematic, that's for sure. It's one of those things that I guess you can can never argue if a scheme is worth is fundamentally worthwhile, there is always going to be implementation issues for the businesses and costs for the business. Um, that, you know, if the scheme is worthwhile and is going to have long-term benefits, you just have to wear in the short term. To me, it doesn't sound like that there's any conclusive... Um, argument um, that this is going to be a beneficial scheme uh, or is going to achieve any purpose um, approaching what, what they're, uh, they're putting it nominally in place for. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly the case. And we won't, you know, it, it may happen. Um, the other number that the EPA keep pulling out is that out of the thousands of uh, submissions they got, it was 98%, I think, in favour of implementing the scheme. So it is, you know, based on their numbers, wildly popular in, in the general public and, you know, as said, there, so there's implementation issues. And that's what we are mostly concerned about is if it's going to happen, just implement it and put in the systems that help our guys Generally, most of the small guys are, uh, are brewers out there, you know, because you've got the small winemakers, they're not involved. Um, there's not that many small soft drink producers anymore. You might capture if, uh, the small uh, water producers or uh, um, bottled juice, but you know, in the main, it's affecting uh, small brewers more than anybody. Yeah, and I, I just can't help thinking, I'll come back to, you know, what I started with. I, I just not convinced that this is actually going to fix the problem that uh, they think it's going to. And, and you made a good point. Um, and I'm sure the three of us, we went for a walk on a Sunday morning around our neighbourhoods. I find far more uh, Maccas and KFC um, detritus than I do. And 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 no-name bourbon and 
and uh, yep. cola uh, cans as well as bottles. Uh, and I've got to say too, the odd, you know, the, the odd wine bottle. Sorry, Pete, just for one yeah, thing no around go. spirits, I do believe that RTDs are captured under the scheme. They, they are treated differently from, you know, a straight spirits bottle sold in a 750ml. Oh, okay, no. got it. All right, ah, cool. But yeah, and, look, and cider uh, is cider is captured as well. Yeah, and we should point out to the um, the public view, or you know, the the publicised view is that this is to solve a litter problem um, rather than to, uh, I guess, give a leg up to recycling, which I think you know that that's a whole other can of Pandora's worms. Yeah, the other thing around the cost of the scheme is that. The more successful the scheme is, the more it's going to cost suppliers, so beverage beverage makers. So um, what happens is that that charge on top of the 10 cents is essentially for exchange to change to run and also for them to pay the people that actually collect the containers for them to run their business in uh, clean way in, in yep. um, New South Wales. So it's kind of an admin... So, Admin fee. Yeah, yeah. So the more um, containers that go through that scheme, the more it's going to cost to run the scheme. The more it's going to cost uh, beverage makers. The more that continue to go through curbside recycling, the less it's going to cost. So it's one of those. One of those. Uh, I don't know. I think we're sort of cheering for the uh, curbside recycling. <laughs> As, as so we should. Why would anyone opt for the curbside recycling when you don't get any return? As Pete said, you know, I, I'm probably looking at, you know, a good 10, 15 bucks worth of glassware in my uh, recycling bin every fortnight. Why would I give that away for free and not have milk crates of uh, bottles uh, racked up in my uh, garage? Oh, it depends if you're a lazy person like me, Matt. I don't think I'm going to bother. <laughs> They're, they're obviously paying you too well as uh, executive director of the uh, Independent <laughs> Brewers Association if you can afford to give that sort of loot away. I don't know. That's 15 bucks. That's 150 bottles. So how are you going through, Matt? You, you sound like you're drinking for, for effect, not flavour. Mate, it's, it's all for research. I don't finish them all. There's a lot of gutter, <laughs> uh, a lot of sink pours in my household. <laughs> Well, that's a whole story for another time. Uh, listen, Chris, look, we won't keep any longer, but before we do let you go, and this is a little bit of a question without notice, but both on and off air in the last couple of uh, weeks the um, and months, the subject of the craft beer awards and possible changes therein um, have surfaced. So question without notice, the craft beer awards having a permanent home versus a rotating system and the general concept i guess of um you know how do we make uh competition guidelines so that they're fair as fair as they can be for everyone discuss uh as part of this review that we're having at the moment we're looking at all possibilities here's your politicians response we're looking at all possibilities and can't comment at the moment pete but yeah seriously we um we're we're locked into sydney for next year for the for the conference um, we're looking at a few other things. You probably know Kath was uh, in the States recently at GABF and, and looking at both the, the contest and, the, and the, um, the event itself, the festival. Um, so she's going to be presenting to the board in the very near future about her recommendations about what we can do uh, around the future of the, the awards and you know, perhaps looking at a, at a festival. 
um, but no decisions have been made yet, so we'll keep everybody in, informed. No worries. Chris, another uh, another question without notice. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Feral uh, sell to CCA and the expectation, at least uh, on CCA's part, that they were going to stay a member of the Independent Brewers Association. Is there any further uh, advance on the IBA's position there? Uh, the board are discussing it this week, Matt, on, on Friday. So following Friday, we will have a statement for you. Sounds like we should have got you on next week. <laughs> Both Feral and, uh, and Four Pines uh, being sent a letter saying that the you know, board believe they are no longer eligible to be members. And they, they have until uh, this Friday for the, at the, uh, the board meeting to uh, present us with, with uh, reasons why they, they shouldn't be considered that way. So, until you know, we finish that board meeting on Friday, then um, there's still there's still uh, time for for either of them to uh, to put forward their case. So, it won't be until after that that we can let you know. No worries. And Chris, just uh, before we do let you go, and for the benefit of our listeners, could you just uh, run through the uh, the board, who they are, and where they're from uh, currently? Uh, so, at, at the moment, the the board is uh, Chair Ben Coyman from Endeavour Beverages in Sydney. Doug Brook from Brooks Beer in Bendigo, Will Tatchell from Van Diemen Brewing in Tassie, Dave Padden from Akasha Brewing in Sydney, and Casual Director is Pete Phillip uh, from Wayward Brewing in in Sydney. We've um, just going through a, an election process at the moment. Um, Doug Brook is uh, resigning from the board under uh, constitutional uh, turnover um, rules that we have in there. Uh, and we'll again after Friday be able to tell you who the new the two new directors as well. We had a casual um, vacancy when Peter Fielding resigned in June as well. So we two new directors after Friday, and then we'll begin the process of uh, filling our other two directorial positions, which are the the non-elected ones. No worries. I just thought that might be handy for our, our listeners to know, particularly, I guess, if um, if they have concerns and that sort of thing, somebody they can contact and have their, their voice heard. I'm sure you'd uh, welcome opinion and constructive criticism from all points. Exactly, Pete. That's what we're here for. My, my phone's always on and uh, <laughs> always great for it to go back through the board as well. Um, do you ever get any uh, criticism in the form of... Uh uh, photographic memes, Chris, because that seems to be the way that the craft beer community likes to discuss its issues. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I don't look at any of those Facebook groups, though. So maybe I miss these things. Ah, you, you, you're a grown man. You're an adult. What do you do for entertainment then? On that cheery note, uh, Chris McNamara from the Independent Brewers Association. Thank you very much for joining us today on Beer is a Conversation. Pete, Matt, thank you for having me. Mate, it was a pleasure having you. Thanks for being had. And that was Chris McNamara. Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation are made possible by our generous sponsors, Crime Malt and Brewpack, who are not only supporting this conversation, they're supporting the good beer industry and we thank them for that support. We also thank our Radio Brews News paid subscribers who donate a small amount each month to help keep this conversation going as well. Thank you for your support. If you like what we do and you would like to support the show yourself, you can find a link in the show notes where you can make a one-off or regular small donation. 
You can also help us by helping others to find us by leaving a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Finally, you can join the conversation by sending some feedback, comments or suggestions to producer at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to joining you again for another good beer conversation next week. Yeah.